0: By faith, Joseph. Or, Plan B. Or, now what? For those of you who have ever traveled on a wagon trip with Mr. Vixie, you will understand the concept of Plan B. Or, now what? While the kids stress and strain, fret and fuss, and move down the road, sometimes quickly, sometimes, oh, Lord, painfully, slowly, they continually place themselves into the mode of, of plan B and they are forced to answer the questions of now what For those of you who wonder why I continue to Can we get these lights down real quick Well I continue to go on these trips That's the reason I get to see vistas like that, and let me tell you, it's incredible, and that picture doesn't do justice. I can show you on my, on my uh, iPad here if you want to see it later on my phone. Um, that's why I go. Plan B. On Brandon's wagon trip in 2010, the class spent hours in one place. One place. They had directions. They had a compass. They had a map. The directions told them that when they came to the fork in the road, go east. they argued for three hours. With the compass, the map, and the directions, this should not have been more than a 15-second pause. Plan B, they walked into the night. On the last day, They had to manipulate all of the wagons through this downed tree, and you could not drive the teams through. It was impossible. After they got all of the wagons through, they took a break. David and I were sitting off the side of the trail when we heard a thunderous crack. It is a very distinctive sound that a wagon tongue makes when it breaks. Because you're talking about a... what a four-by-four four piece of hickory? We're talking hard, wood. Tongues are heavy. Snap. David looks at me and just smiles. <laughs> and the kids entered into plan B. And I don't know if you can see, right, I have a laser point here. Right there is the part of the tongue that's down and broken. And here's the part that's still attached to the yoke up where the horse is. This horse back here, the white one, um, that one's called Fred. The red one's called Vanilla. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> who thinks of these things, right? Uh, I called Fred Darth Fred, for any of you Star Wars fans, because he was twisted and evil. He got bored of the wait and literally sat down on the tongue and just snapped it. Pop! Plan B. Again, vistas like this. This is the Black Rock Desert. This is an oral surgeon that works down in Chico, Mark Womack, who was on our trip with us. And this little spot... Oh, I pushed the wrong button silly me this little spot here is the Black Rock of the in fact Black Rock Desert Um, on Erica's wagon trip they came to a spot and we're in the middle of the Black Rock Desert so you have to understand I nickname the Black Rock Desert the fry pan because it is incredibly hot and dry So, if you're in the desert, you need to find what? Water. Mr. Vixie gave them instructions. Okay, we need to find water. Now, this was not an incredibly difficult task at that point. So, the kids sat down for three hours. What is it with three hours? Yes, three-hour tour, Gilligan's Island, there you have it, must be part of it. They sat down for three hours. Finally, one of the kids says, why are we here? Says, we're waiting for you to do what you were told. Well, what were you told? Go find someone who knows, I already gave you instructions. So they finally figured out, now, literally, from the back of the church, the outside of the church, to the front of the church... There's a hill. They're in a little valley. There's a road here. A little hill that goes up. At the top of that little hill, you can see reeds. We're in the middle of the desert. Reeds don't normally grow in the middle of the desert. Three hours. Three hours. A couple of weeks ago... Oh, but before I go on to that... I want you to know that regardless of how many Plan B's the kids have, they always make it to the end of the trail. How is that possible? How is that possible? A couple of weeks ago, we pulled into Reno for lunch, and this is what greeted me as I went around the side of the truck to let Monica drive so I could eat. That front tire is, oh, doggone it, For stupid buttons. Front part of the tire is totally shredded and that back tire is totally flat. We only had one spare. About three hours later, <laughs> two new tires, and we're on our way back to Leone. Brian Mallory, my good friend over there, who yelled, Why did you only have one spare tire? Uh wants to wanted to get a, a t-shirt made that says I hope Mr. Vixie asks me to go on the wagon trip on the front, and on the back it would read, I hope Mr. Vixie doesn't ask me to go on the wagon trip. So how do you get tires like that? Through rocks like that. I found that on the road. And uh, a couple of years ago, we actually pulled one of those out of the sidewall of a tire. Plan B. Throughout our lives, we are forced to deal with plan Bs. Sometimes it is our choices that land us in those plan Bs. Sometimes it's life that gets forced onto us. Now, not all plan B's are bad. When I graduated from high school, from San Gabriel Academy, I was planning on entering La Sierra, going to school, and starting dentistry. Well, through the situations God put me in, He made me reevaluate what I was doing, why I was doing it, and rather than go into my plan A of dentistry, I went into plan B of pastoral ministry, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I loved what I did as a youth pastor and as a youth director. Sometimes God throws in a plan C, because after 11 years of that, off to dental school. Here I am. The Bible is a book of plan Bs. Take just about any character in the Bible, and it's plan B. Not all of them, but most. Abraham had his plan Bs, and of course God had to do something different. Funny thing. David. Saul. Bible is a book of plan B's. Adam and Eve, perfect world, perfect place, perfect couple, then comes sin. Now here's the deal with plan B's. God does not say, "Well, now what?" God doesn't do that because in Revelation 13, we find a little verse where it's talking about those who worship the beast who are going to wage war against God's people, and those who worship the beast don't have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. Which lamb? Not just any lamb because it says all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Somehow God's plan B is still God's plan A. And I don't know how that works. And it's often very confusing for me. This morning we're looking at Joseph. Joseph and the faith that kept him alive In Hebrews 11:22 we find these words By faith Joseph His behavior did not change his actions displayed his faith Betrayed as a slave, he continued in his faith with integrity. Betrayed again, now as a prisoner, he continued to act with faith and integrity. Each time he was betrayed, his actions defined his faith. Now, family helps define who we are. Sometimes that's good, sometimes not so much. At times, family nurtures us and grows us, And sometimes we respond with revulsion to family and try and break the chains and the cycles. So let's just take a real quick, very quick look at Joseph's family history. Abraham. We know the story of Abraham. We understand Isaac and the three days and the sacrifice, the ram caught the horns, rah, rah, re, go Abraham, that's a great story. We forget that Abraham traveled to Egypt and told his wife, Sarah, this. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and then they will kill me but let you live. So say that you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Not a very husbandly thing to do. But he doesn't learn his lessons there. He does it again with Abimelech in Genesis 20. Now Abraham moved on from there to the region of the Negev and lived in between Kadesh and Sur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and then Abraham said to his wife, said of his wife Sarah, she is my sister. Then Abimelech king of Ger, Gerar Sent for Sarah and took her. Now, I am fairly certain that if I told Monica (laughs) to pretend she was not my wife and that if she had to sleep with someone in order to save my life, go ahead and do that. I kind of get the feeling things would not go well for me. But that's the history of Abraham. Other issues with Abraham, Isaac and Ishmael, favoritism. Gee, that's funny. With Isaac's son, Jacob and Esau, favoritism. Hmm. That's funny. Wait. Jacob had children. Favoritism. That's funny. Sometimes our family shapes us, but not in a good way. My dad taught me many things. Some things to do. Some things not to do. We have to learn those things. When tragedy hit my family, I had family to turn to. I had you as a church to turn to. When tragedy hit Joseph, who did he turn to? It was his family that caused the tragedy. What do we know about Joseph? He was one of two sons of Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife, with Benjamin being the other son. He was raised along with Benjamin as the favorite sons of his favorite wife. The entire story of Joseph unfolds between Genesis 37 and the end of the book, with one chapter. Chapter 38, dealing with Judah and Tamar. Now, we have a lot of area to cover, so we need to get moving. It's already 5 to 12. No, I'm just kidding. There is no way we could cover the entire story of Joseph in probably a year. What do we know of Joseph? He was 17 years old when he was sold as a slave. Now, for a moment, I want you to close your eyes. Now, don't go to sleep yet. It's not nearly, it's not 12.15. You can go to sleep after 12.15. Close your eyes. Put on your imaginations. You're Joseph. Your brothers wanted to kill you. They didn't. They put you in a, cell, in a cistern to die instead, which is essentially killing you. They take you out. Oh, it's just a joke. No, you're being sold into slavery and carted off to Egypt. What Bible verses go through your head? When I asked how did Joseph survive, someone said, God. What Bible verses are going to go through your head about Joseph right now? How are you going to survive? What what, what Bible verses are going to click in and say, God's with me? Isaiah 43, 2, I will be with you. How about Psalms 21, 7, I will protect you. Psalm 91, I will protect you. Proverbs 18, I will be your strength. Jeremiah 33, I will answer you when you call. Jeremiah 29, I will provide for your needs. How about John 14? My peace I give you. All wonderful Bible verses that we would call on. Funny thing, Joseph didn't have a single one of those. In fact, Joseph didn't have the Bible. What? Joseph had a series of stories And as Joseph was carted off to foreign lands, not knowing where he was going to end up, he would have been terrified. So a question I have for you, what foreign lands are we carried into? Grief, that's a foreign land. It's not a normal place. It's a desolate, dry, barren country, lifeless. With grief, sometimes we have sudden events that plunge us into it, tragic loss, and sometimes long, slow, progressive events. We are taught that grief is something you have to get through And then, like crossing a mountain stream on a hike, once you're through stepping the stones, you get to resume your journey again, enjoy the countryside, right? That's what we're taught. I can tell you it's not that way. Grief is a foreign land. Depression. What about depression? That's a foreign land. It's not a normal place. With grief, we have a reason at times. Not so with depression. Sometimes depression doesn't work like that. Sometimes we're depressed because of events, but sometimes... We're just there. And then, ah, the well-meaning saints. Well, you need to pray more. You need to spend more time in the Bible. You need to have more faith. Oh, yeah, that's going to make me feel better. (laughs) You think I'm not praying already? There are some things that we don't understand. Medicine doesn't have a clue for a lot of the reasons of depression. We try and figure it out, but we don't have the answers. And if you've ever dealt with depression, if you've ever walked in that valley of the shadow of death, you understand. But if you've never dealt with it, you really don't have a clue. Depression is a foreign land. Fear, fear is not a normal place. And by normal place, I mean some place where God intends us to be. We can be fearful for so many things. Worry can be a way that fear represents itself. We want to have control and we don't, so we worry. We're afraid of what might happen. Fear is often based on past history. Sometimes something's happened in the past. We have this memory. i tell you, when my kids travel now, it's a little different. These are foreign lands that we are carried into Now, these are by no means the only foreign lands, cancer, heart disease. That any disease is a foreign land. Losing a job, divorce, marriage issues, fighting with our children. These are foreign lands that we are carried into. So then, where then is the promised land? What are we supposed to have? I'm gonna go to Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. That's what God's plan is for us. Grief, depression, illness, fear, life's problems, Those are all foreign countries. God clearly wants us to be in a different place. But somehow, God gave Joseph a grace to live in a foreign land and not just survive, but thrive. Joseph would have been grieving as he entered Egypt. He would have been grieving the loss of his family. His brothers hated him and tried to kill him, and he was all alone. Joseph would have been depressed as he entered that foreign land of Egypt. Isolated, alone, a helpless kid Joseph would have been in fear as he entered Egypt fear of the unknown fear of his fate fear that he would never see his family his father or his beloved Benjamin again yet somehow God was able to help him survive the devil sought to destroy Joseph through slavery that didn't work The devil sought to destroy Joseph through temptation. That didn't work. The devil sought to destroy Joseph through prison. That didn't work. Here's a question Did God intend for Joseph to be sent as a slave to Egypt? If God is a loving God, I believe he is. Why would he want Joseph to suffer? Now we have Joseph's dreams, right? We've got to deal with the dreams because he had the dreams of the wheat. And he had the dreams of the sun, moon, and stars. And everyone bowed down to him. Could God have made that vision, those dreams, be fulfilled in a different way? Did God intend for all of the babies in Egypt to be slaughtered when Moses was born? I don't think so. Did God intend for all the children, the boys, in Judea to be slaughtered when Christ was born? I don't think so. God steps into our plan Bs when we're going, now what? And God does amazing things. I think we need to make a distinction between what God's will is and what God allows. And they're different. God's will is for us to prosper and thrive. God's will was for Adam and Eve to live in the garden forever. God allowed things to happen. And God steps in and does miraculous things for us. Through all of this, Joseph kept his compass heading pointing to God. The wonderful thing about a compass is no matter how I spin around it always finds north. The miraculous thing about faith is no matter what life throws me or you no matter how no matter how we get turned or flipped or bumped or banged there's a compass in our hearts that points to God. Now, I said earlier, Joseph didn't have the Bible. What did he have? He had the stories that were told, that were passed down. As you read the Old Testament, you will continually come across God's righteousness. God's righteousness, especially in the Psalms. God's righteousness. Righteousness. When we read those words, we have to take that in the context of what it meant when they read it and what it meant was God's righteous acts. As God has led in the past, we know he will lead in the future. As God led Adam and Eve, I know he will be with me. As God led Noah, I know he will be with me. Joseph had to have thought of his father Jacob's stories in dreamland, the dreamland stairs. Not of a way for us to climb up to God, but of God coming down to earth to us. And Joseph had to remember that God is with me too. So here's the deal God's will is not an event that happens to us, it's how we respond to what happens. God's will is not the path we walk, but rather how we walk the path. Joseph had the stories to rely on. What's your story? stories do you look back on and say I know God will be with me no matter what the devil throws us we can always find God because God's will again is not an event that happens to us it's how we respond Do I turn to God? God's will is not the path I walk. Some of us have gone through some pretty horrid paths. God's will, rather, is how we walk that path. Father, we want to thank you For the stories of faith, of hope, for placing in us a compass to always bring us back to you. Father, we may find ourselves in foreign lands, but we know you are with us. Bless us as we go forth this week. And may we live for you. Amen.